Today in Business from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy to use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60 day trial at shipstation.com slash tech news. That's shipstation.com slash tech news. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey there, this is the Spoken Edition of Wired. Fighting a wildfire in Texas. Watching a sinkhole swallow eight priceless sports cars. Cutting pollution with chainsaws. Hear Chubb customers tell their stories at chubb.com slash podcast. And stay tuned after the show to hear how a new broadband network will deliver the internet to 40 million people in Mexico. The Biggest Whoppers from the FCC's Net Neutrality Meeting by Izzy Lepowski and Clint Finley. It took less than two hours of debate for the Federal Communications Commission to repeal net neutrality protections, a decision that could send ripple effects across the Internet for years. Over the objections of the Commission's two Democrats, the three Republican members, including Chair Ajit Pai, voted to overturn protections put in place in 2015, but not before fudging a few facts. In their remarks, Chairman Pai, Commissioner Brendan Carr, and Commissioner Michael Riley framed their votes as an attempt to restore the Internet to a time not so long ago when it was free of heavy-handed government regulation. But that characterization of Thursday's decision rests on a selective and misleading reading of recent history and how the Internet has been regulated. Here are some of the most spurious claims we heard from the commissioners. One, Prior to the FCC's 2015 decision, consumers and innovators alike benefited from a free and open Internet. This is not because the government imposed utility-style regulation. It didn't. This is not because the FCC had a rule regulating Internet conduct. It had none. Instead, through Republican and Democratic administrations alike, including the first six years of the Obama administration, the FCC abided by a 20-year bipartisan consensus that the government should not control or heavily regulate Internet access. Commissioner Carr 
One of the most commonly cited reasons for overturning the 2015 regulations is that Internet service providers abided by neutrality principles before the rules were adopted. As we've written before, that's not entirely accurate. When Americans first began dialing up in the 1990s, it was via phone lines that were regulated under Title II of the Communications Act, meaning they could not discriminate based on the content. When the phone companies began switching to DSL broadband for Internet access, that too was regulated under Title II. That's why the FCC intervened in an oft-cited case in which Madison River Communications, a small DSL provider, blocked access to Vonage, an Internet phone service. DSL was regulated under Title II at the time, allowing the FCC to step in and compel Madison River to restore access to Vonage. Rules regulating Internet conduct weren't new in 2015 either. The FCC first outlined protections for Internet users in a 2005 policy statement and then created a more robust set of rules in 2010. Rolling back Title II protections for broadband doesn't restore the Internet to some glorious past in which broadband providers operated unfettered. It ushers the Internet into a brave new world in which the FCC is hopeless to stop future attempts to prioritize or suppress certain kinds of traffic. Number two, I sincerely doubt that legitimate businesses are willing to subject themselves to a PR nightmare for attempting to engage in blocking, throttling, or improper discrimination. It's simply not worth the reputational cost and potential loss of business. Commissioner O'Reilly. Perhaps O'Reilly has never paid a surge price to hail an Uber in New York City at rush hour or stood in a hellish airport security line, while TSA pre-flyers, who paid extra for the luxury, speed blissfully through the metal detectors. Uh, We're here to tell him businesses try to maximize profits whenever they sniff demand. It's true that sometimes it ends up in embarrassment, as when Uber instituted surge pricing following an explosion in New York City in 2016. But often, the PR nightmare is temporary, and consumers either adjust to the new pricing arrangement or defer the service altogether. That creates a two-tiered system with some commuters speeding down Broadway in an overly expensive Uber and others stuck taking the bus. O'Reilly doubts Internet service providers would take advantage of those same market forces. Ah, innocence. Consumers can only resist when they have choices. But the FCC itself says that only slightly more than one-third of Americans have access to more than one Internet provider offering service that it considers broadband. In rural areas, only 39% of people have access to even one broadband provider. Number three. I, for one, see great value in the prioritization of telemedicine and autonomous car technology over cat videos. Consider that each autonomous vehicle is predicted to generate an additional 4 terabytes of data a day, much of which will be carried by wireless networks. It's hard to imagine that some prioritization of traffic won't be necessary, further undermining attempts to ban such practices. Commissioner O'Reilly You know who else believed telemedicine services should be prioritized over cat videos? The 2015 FCC that passed the net neutrality order. 
In that order, the Commission created a category of services called non-biased data services, which include heart monitors and Internet phone services, which are entitled to greater speeds. As Ars Technica recently pointed out, the 2015 rules specifically noted that telemedicine services might alternatively be structured as non-biased data services, which are beyond the reach of the open Internet rules. Number 4. After a two-year detour, one that has seen investment decline, broadband deployments put on hold, and innovative new offerings shelved, it's great to see the FCC returning to this proven regulatory approach. Commissioner Carr This is the central justification for the FCC's decision, but it doesn't hold up to scrutiny, as we've detailed before. Many Internet service providers increased their investments after the 2015 rules passed. Some, such as AT&T, cut investment, but those decreases were planned years in advance. In fact, executives at major broadband companies assured shareholders that the net neutrality rules didn't affect their plans. Many small Internet service providers did object to the rules, saying that the rules made it harder for them to attract investment. But as Ars Technica reports, the advocacy group Free Press found that some of those companies actually increased their footprints in both rural and urban areas after the rules passed. So the effects of net neutrality on small providers are, at best, unclear. Number 5. Moreover, we empower the Federal Trade Commission to ensure that consumers and competition are protected. Chairman Pai. As Democratic FTC Commissioner Terrell McSweeney has told Wired, the FTC only has the authority to pursue individual businesses for unfair or anti-competitive actions. It can't issue industry-wide rules, such as a ban on blocking lawful content. In many cases, she says, the agency might be unable to use antitrust law against broadband providers that give preferential treatment to their own content or to that of partners. FCC CTO Eric Berger, who was appointed by Pi earlier this year, apparently came to the same conclusion. If the ISP is transparent about blocking legal content, there's nothing the Federal Trade Commission can do about it unless the FTC determines it was done for anti-competitive reasons, Berger wrote in an email to FCC staff, according to Politico. Allowing such blocking is not in the public interest. The FCC reportedly made a change to its order that satisfied Berger, but the agency has not responded to our request for clarification. Number 6. How does a company decide to restrict someone's accounts or block their tweets because it thinks their views are inflammatory or wrong? How does a company decide to demonetize videos from political advocates without any notice? You don't have any insight into any of these decisions, and neither do I, but these are very real actual threats to an open Internet. Chairman Pai This isn't so much as a fib as a clever bit of misdirection. Here, Pai is suggesting that companies such as Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are really to blame for the Internet's decline because they determine what people see online and have no obligation to tell people why they're seeing it. There's truth in that. Platforms are far from perfect and are far less open than they like to pretend. And yet, 
There's a key difference between the platforms that run on the Internet and access to the Internet itself. In a world of true net neutrality, people who think Twitter is skewing what they see online can seek alternatives, where they can expect the same speed and reliability. In a world without net neutrality, where it will be in late February after Thursday's rules take effect, Internet service providers will decide whether it'll cost you. This podcast was made possible by Chubb. Hear how this broadband network will change millions of lives in Mexico right now. 40 million people in Mexico do not have access to the Internet. Our company, Altanredes, is building a network that will connect them to the world. Chubb wrote insurance policies that gave the Mexican government, our investors, and partners the confidence they needed to make this happen. They also cover our construction risk, damage to the network, and environmental exposure. For a project this complex, Chubb was the one. Hear more stories at chubb.com slash podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.